Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our two guests today. Our first guest, Dan Bullock, trains United Nations Headquarters global staff, diplomats, and country delegates to build greater linguistic competence and understanding of cross-cultural correspondence. I know within his work experience that there are lots of opportunities for bravery. Dan prepares United Station United Nations, excuse me, headquartered global staff to build fluency across language and communication for enhancing performance of complex, multifaceted international missions and diplomatic operations. There are a lot of big words in that sentence, Dan. <laughs> Our second guest, Raul Sanchez, is on the New York University faculty in business communication and advanced English as a second language and is a program coordinator, faculty trainer, and corporate trainer for professionals from such entities as Bloomberg, Google, and the United Nations. Together, they have written a book called How to Communicate Effectively with Anyone Anywhere, Your Passport to Connecting Globally. And included in that book is a ton of information, and I have read it, and I loved it. And there's a ton of information about how to globally communicate more effectively, which is something that we all need to be doing better. And there's also a section uh, talking about negotiation, which we have talked about in the past as an area where people need to be braver or do demonstrate bravery. So I hope that we'll talk a little bit about that. So Dan, I gave a kind of ballpark introduction of you, and I'm just wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do today and how you interact in the marketplace. Yeah, Ed, so thanks so much for having us on. Um, Yeah, and I'm happy to elaborate a little bit more off of what you said. I think you covered it. Yes, lots of big words in that uh, kind of summary. But, um, But yeah, so I am a trainer um, and language communication specialist at the United Nations. So what this means is, is yeah, so I do train a number of the delegates, diplomats, and global UN staff, not just based here in New York City, but also um, across many of the other duty stations across the world. Um, at the same time, I'm also a professor uh, within the Division of Programs of Business at New York University School of Professional Studies. Um, and within this within this program, I teach within the Masters of Corporate Communications and Public Relations. Um, so what this means is a lot of business intelligence, public relations, marketing, kind of all, all kind of melded together into one program. Um, so that's just a little bit, uh, prior to, prior to my, um, my role in terms of teaching, I, I've been a publicist, right? So, 
So, so I bring about uh, 14. Sorry about that. Um, so I bring about 14 years of experience in terms of public relations, uh, working with such clients such as the New York Police Department, uh, TD Bank, as well as Coldwell Banker Real Estate. Um, that's just a little bit about myself. So glad to be sure. here. Thank you for coming, I said. No, terrific, Dan. Thank you so much. And uh, what a fascinating variety of worlds that you connect with. So I hope we'll hear a little bit more about that. Raul, welcome to our podcast and would love to hear a little bit more about your background and how you interact in the marketplace today. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So I am a clinical assistant professor at New York University in the School of Professional Studies, and I also coordinate um, two programs. One is our professional English program, which is entirely comprised of global professionals and the other program in the area of business communication and linguistics. The other program is the corporate education program. So I handle trainings between multinational corporations and NYU. And so I've done uh, trainings, designed and delivered trainings for Deloitte, Bloomberg, um, the United Nations as well. And my background, in terms of my background, I'm, I'm very passionate about teaching expression. So I believe expression is the pivot of existence. And so all of my courses, whether they were in journalism or creative writing or business communication or English as a second language, they all centered around um, expression and communication. And so that um, is the common thread I would see as, as throughout my work. And I've always been very excited to collaborate with Dan, Professor Bullock here. We've done a lot of workshops together um, with these professionals and also at so Genesis at the Wall Street Journal, we recently did um, some trainings there. And so very excited to be here today uh, with you. And thank you for having us. My pleasure. And I think our listeners, Raul, would like to hear just a little bit more about what you mean by expression. So I assume you don't just mean verbal communication. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So with expression, I think um, once once we, I got into the realm of intercultural communication, uh, then it, it was a very exciting and new dimension to communication because you're teaching someone how to become themselves in a new language and a new culture. And so that was very exciting to me is, is you know, beyond just teaching expression at, at a certain level, you're actually teaching someone to become a new self almost or an expanded version of themselves in a new culture and a new language. And so um, that really fueled my passion in a new way. And it's also very humbling, too, because when you go in there, it's not necessarily about yourself. You're a canvas, hopefully, for um, the students and professionals that you're working with. And so thinking about the topic of uh, your, the excellent podcast, um, being brave, sometimes being brave is also being humble, you know, and allowing someone else to self-actualize and be the best version of themselves. And you're simply the catalyst. You know, you're the spark that is, is helping to um, propel that forward. Look, I think that's a great observation for our listeners, because oftentimes we think of bravery in uh, what I call Braveheart bravery, which is Mel Gibson standing on a hill with 3000 Scotsmen ready to take on the British. And that's not always the type of bravery. And it's not the type of bravery that we talk about on this podcast, nor is it the type of bravery that most of us experience. And sometimes, to your point, bravery is also not saying something are not doing something in ways that can influence others. So I think that's a great tip for our listeners. Dan, I'd love to hear you know a little bit about how you and Raul came to write this book about intercultural communication. And, and then I have a few questions about some of the information you've written. Sure. So like Raul had mentioned, so we worked together in a number of professional workshops uh, where we deliver, delivered them to students. Um, but at the same time, 
And I remember this in rule, and maybe you can jump in on this. Like I remember one night getting together, and this was pre-pandemic, of course, getting together um, over a little bit of fast food, and then we were discussing just a little bit further. Well, what really constitutes um, what what we're trying to do here? This intercultural communications element, and we were thinking, and we started to go down this path in terms of thinking about the stars in the sky, right? So, so in terms of the different patterns that kind of connect these constellations, right? Um, but of course. Whenever we think about it, these patterns vary across cultures, right? So, so for example, if we're in the United States, we look up and we and and we know what some of the patterns um, resemble in the sky. But if you go to the other part of the world, those same stars form different constellations in different ways. And Rule, I don't know if you want to add a little bit more to that. Sure, and I think that was a very profound point. And Dan brought that up during that um, very inspiring fast food conversation. Um, but the idea that you know, even though we we give different names to the constellations we recognize in the sky across cultures, we have different myths, perhaps, we all have the ability to recognize the same patterns as human beings. And so pattern recognition is a human trait. And so once we arrived at that together, we realized this is the crux of the book, patterns of communication. So, um, you know, it's almost the, akin to the, the overview effect, the astronaut's perspective, you know, that photograph Earthrise where um, William Anders turned around in the Apollo 8 mission and took a photograph of the Earth. And mm-hmm. that image went viral at the time because it was the first time we'd seen that perspective of our world and that's said to have launched the environmental movement. And so our idea was to bring that to the, the global marketplace. How can we bring that global mindset to what we do and then develop a global skill set? And so the idea was seeing these patterns of communication and then navigating those and that was the crux of the book. But Dan, I'm crediting him for bringing up the constellation conversation because that was his um, that was his initiation, and then that led us down the path to to write this book. We all love a good constellation, absolutely, especially over fast food. So, oh, of course. So, your book is filled with uh, ideas and suggestions and recommendations. I mean, this is an area that has not been highly uh, disseminated across cultures in respect to how to communicate effectively and interculturally. And one area that I thought we could just talk about on our podcast today is negotiation. And you talk a little bit about, and quite frankly, I was a little bit surprised to see the topic of negotiation in a book about communicating interculturally. So, you know, where did this topic come from? Uh, And, you know, you tell a story in that, that one of you, I hope, can share with our listeners, uh, using it as, you know, kind of almost metaphorically about a lemon. And you know the kind of the lemon story. So whichever one of you knows that story better, you know I'd love for you to share that as an illustration of uh, negotiation. Dan, do it, and then maybe Dan can elaborate on. Is that right, Dan? Yeah. So if you want to go first, roll. Go ahead. Sure. Um, so the two cooks and a lemon. So essentially, we have uh, there's a framework for negotiation. We tend to go down either you know a win lose path or a win win path, and the win win is called integrative, and the win lose is distributive. And so when we're thinking about the global market, we want to go down a win-win path because this leads to, of course, greater collaboration, shared solutions, but also the idea of um, shared goals and and shared understanding. So um, to illustrate this, there's a simple story. So there's two cooks. They're fighting over the last lemon in their kitchen. And and if we approach this from a win-lose mindset, then you know the easiest way to resolve the dispute is, you know, one person gets the lemon, the other one doesn't. But how do we determine this? Someone else looking at it through a distributive mindset might say, just cut the lemon in half. Um, But in fact, each cook is saying, my recipe needs part of the whole lemon. So um, if one of the cooks has a win-win mindset, instead of demanding, 
then they approach the situation by asking. And they say, what do you need the lemon for? One cook needs the lemon to make candied lemon peels. So he simply needs the peels of the lemon. The other cook needs the fruit to make lemonade. And so the idea is that once you approach a negotiation from a win-win mindset, this shifts your thinking, but also new solutions emerge between you and the other negotiator. New opportunities emerge for collaboration. And so that that simple story illustrates the, the sort of the cognitive benefits and opportunities that arise through a win-win mindset. And then, um, Dan, do you have more? I know you have more to add about the win-win mindset. Yeah, and so so whenever it comes down to it, the mindset is is very important because that's uh, what we have to think of communications and negotiation being part of communications as a psychological um, component, right? Um, and typically in, in negotiations, we have to think about who the audience is, number one. We have to think about, um, well, we also have to think about what the purpose or the objective is. So in this case, it would be, so what are they going to do with a lemon, right? Uh, thirdly, well, what's the message, okay? And fourthly, comes down to this value. So what sort of value um, does the other party need? And and if we go back to on how we started this podcast in terms of um, it's more about being humble, but it's also more about showing service or being in service, I guess, rather to other people, right? Um, and that's how we that's how we should typically think of this win-win mindset, this integrative style of negotiation, because it's more about collaboration rather than competition, right? Um, if we're trying to achieve something that's similar. Now, we also have to be mindful of, because there's different components, because this is a very abstract topic, um, but we have to factor in trust. And wh whenever we focus on intercultural communications, right, um, trust is a big component. Now, trust is communicated differently across the world, right? We have what's called high context cultures and we have low context cultures. Okay, so high context cultures um, would be more synonymous with collectivist cultures or where a lot of the information is implied. Okay, so um, just think of implicit communications where it's 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 indirect, right? Whereas um, whereas low context cultures is more indicative of West a Western style of communication. Okay, so for example, we could say. The U.S., North Central, um, North Northwestern parts of Europe, Scandinavia, Australia, places like that, where a lot of the information is very individualistic or shared very individualistically, but also, um, but also in a very direct format, explicitly. Right now, now in terms of trust, there's different ways to do it. Right. There's different ways, and it comes down to how you frame the information, right? Um, whether it's trust or maybe you have a disagreement, for example. And this and this circles back to the whole topic of the podcast, right? Being brave. Well, how do we express some sort of disagreement if we have a disagreement in a meeting, for example, in a negotiation? Or it could be in another context. Just exactly, so how do we do that? Um, and just having this mindset and thinking about all these different abstract topics that collectively come together right, to really showcase, well, well, this is how we do an effective negotiation from an intercultural lens. Yeah, look, I think mindset is a huge uh, player in this experience with bravery at work, because I think most people go into a tough conversation with a boss or a peer or a subordinate thinking of it as win-lose, that I have something to say, and I'm right, because I'm saying it, right, and I'm making this up, by the way, so I have something to say, and I'm right, 
and I'm going to get you to agree. And in a way, you're going to lose because I'm right, right? Because we can only have a win, one winner and one loser. I don't think enough people, and that's why I love this concept of negotiation and the work that you're doing, uh, go in saying, even before they go in, saying, how can I make this win-win? How can I share something with my boss that is hard for them to hear, but hear it in a way that they reflect on it and modify how they operate so that we can win-win? So, Raul, I mean, do you have any suggestions or recommendations on how people can set mindset or set context a little bit more effectively to ensure the likelihood of a win-win outcome versus what I think most people think about, which is a win-lose experience? Well, and I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said changing our, um, our communication style. You, you alluded to that because the win-win mindset, one of the larger benefits is that it leads to adaptability. You know, in terms of intercultural communication, once we adopt that mindset and sort of, you know, uh, move away from that idea of the hard negotiator, you know, the one that's at the bargaining table that is making demands and not making concessions. But once we think about, okay, win-win mindset, then that my framework is adaptability. And that means that I may have to adjust my communication style to suit that of someone else. And I think um, a lot of professionals have told us this, and Dan remembers this, um, the idea of leadership and, and adaptability, they might not seem compatible. You know, someone saying, well, will I lose myself if I'm adapting my style and I'm not being myself and I'm actually adapting my style to somebody else? Um, and the answer is no. In fact, it's really, it's more fulfilling to um, add more communication styles to your palette. And it's almost like adding more colors to your paint palette because then you can arrive at greater understanding with others, greater collaboration. And as Dan said, turning competitors to partners. So, um, you know, that framework of adaptability, I think that that's the larger benefit of the win-win is that you start to then adjust and then, um, and then arrive at a place of greater trust and collaboration. Well, I think that's where a lot of people go, which is this feeling of not only do they want to win, but if they're not winning, they're losing. And if they're losing, they don't want to lose part of themselves or they don't want to feel less than they were before, right? They want to feel bigger. So I think those are a couple of obstacles that people self-create to avoid having tough conversations or saying something to somebody else that you know might be helpful for them. Yeah, and then just to add on to that, um, and maybe this is from a linguistics perspective, but it's really about gathering information. Right. So 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 if we throw out the book of, OK, well, who's going to win and who's going to lose? It's more about, well, well, I need information from this other party. Right. Um, and how can I help fulfill their need and at the same time fulfill my need? Because let's just face it. Right. If we could do it on our own and we didn't need anyone else, we wouldn't be in the negotiation to begin with. Right. So. So, I mean, just to think about that for a second, it's really about this information gathering. And it's also about asking more questions than it is perhaps making more statements. Right. Um, because that's how you're really going to get more information and figure out, well, hey, well, let's come together. So how can we find a solution to this? Because we're in it together. Right. Something that we talk about interdependence. Right. So we're interlocking our goals for a specific period of time. And then eventually, once a need is met on either side, then maybe we go our separate ways. But we've come together for at some point to achieve something great where we needed each other. Right. So I like to frame it as and this is what I say, like in a lot of the trainings, it's, it's all about needs and wants. Right. Needs and wants. But also we have to think about it this way. Negotiation is a game of emotions at the same time. Right. Um, emotions are, are a big part of of any form of communication. And it really comes out, I think, in negotiations. And that then influences, I think, mindsets. And that's where everyone starts to think, oh, I need to win or I need to lose. 
or not lose necessarily, but I mean, this mindset, so to speak. Yeah, I think that mindset is fairly prevalent in many of the conversations and experiences that people have with others that they go in thinking it's a win-lose experience and they don't want to lose, right? So they either avoid it because they don't want to even risk losing or they go in, you know, with a two by four ready to get that person to acquiesce. Uh, you know, I did union negotiations for a number of years at a former employer, and it was a new concept for me. I had never participated in a union negotiation. So my only reference, of course, were movies. And of course, movies are horrible references for reality, right? Because it was, you know, two sides sitting across the table and, you know, everybody arguing and people's tires getting slashed and all <laughs> sorts of horrible things happening. And Fortunately, we had a highly sophisticated attorney with us who looked at it the way that you're teaching the world, which is to be more collaborative and listen. And, you know, Dan, I'll end with our conversation today with this great word you use, which is curiosity. And I'm a huge fan for the listeners of this podcast, they know, of curiosity to really seek first to understand where the other person's coming from, why they're coming from where they're coming from, what's influenced the way that they're coming from before you even start to share what you're thinking. Because the more you know about that other person's perspective, the better your opportunities are in connecting with them. So I want to thank you both for your time today. I think we could go on forever because you've used some very key words like vulnerability and curiosity and mindset. Those are all key words to being braver in the workplace. But if folks want to reach out uh, and connect with you more, Dan, I'll start with you. How might someone get in touch with you to talk more about the work that you're doing? Yeah, so of course. So LinkedIn's are probably are the best way. And we're all on LinkedIn. So so it would just be my name, um, and I think Ro, it's your name um, as well. And then if you want to get in touch with the illustrator, his name's out there as well, Rod Sanchez. Um, but collectively, uh, we we all share social channels, right? So um, so our Twitter is at globalcomnyc. Um, our Instagram is at connecting underscore globally, and we do have a website. So feel free to go to the website. That's going to be the place where we house all the information, right? It's www dot globally communicate.com fantastic and that is up and running as we speak right yes it is and then and dan i think covered all the all the channels and just to add that on the website we do have a, a cultural quiz that you can take that we give you uh, feedback on in terms of an international presentation style um, and my brother my twin brother the illustrator also uh, has been creating an augmented reality feature on the website there are the pages of the book where you can literally point your smartphone at the book and the book will, the illustrations will animate and come to life and give you additional tips in terms of body language and also negotiating skills. Um, and thank you, Ed, for having us. We, we appreciate it. No, thank you. No, thank you both for being guests today. And again, this is an area, you know, coming from corporate America for 25 years, that there is not enough information out there on how to interculturally connect more effectively. And we most, most of the time go in the way we are without thinking about how others hear and experience and, you know, uh, listen to how we're presenting ourselves. So this is fantastic information. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Capit Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CapitRisk.com. 
and a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio online. You have something to say, yet are not saying it. You have something to do, yet are not doing it. Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.